Over the past decade, there's been a steady increase in audience demand for First Nations dance and cultural performance. The latest Australia Council National Arts Participation Survey, released last month, found that 32% of Australians aged 15 and over attended First Nations arts or festivals in 2019, up from 26% in 2016. Yet despite positive audience engagement, further research has revealed many Indigenous artists are struggling for funding and fighting against stereotypical audience expectations and tokenistic programming decisions. Marinda Donnelly is the Executive Director of Black Dance, the peak body for Indigenous dance in Australia. Marinda, welcome to Speaking Out. Thanks, Larissa. So why is First Nations performance so important to the Australian arts sector and why do you think we've seen such an increase in audience demand? Well, the expression of First Nations artists really reflects our collective struggle, our lived experiences and the expressions of our future and what it could be, our freedom and the way that artists create work really in many cases is the way that our culture bearers maintain and revitalise our cultural practices. You know, there's nothing more important than that. What do you think draws a non-Indigenous audience to that? I think that non-Indigenous audiences come into performance and storytelling as a way of trying to understand their reality The 250 years of the colonial narrative is really revealed in some of the storytelling narratives that we see coming out of our performing artists. I think that it offers an opportunity for people to reconcile the cognitive dissonance from the colonial narrative that is not really what we have lived and felt in our bodies and that knowledge is passed on generationally whether we're First Nations or settlers and I think that our storytelling is a way that people can get a glimpse at truth-telling which you know we know hasn't really happened in Australia. As I mentioned, new research from the Australia Council has revealed deep concerns within the sector, including the prevalence of tokenistic programming decisions. From your experience and perspectives, what are some examples of this and what impact does it have on First Nations artists? I remember when we were presented by the research team with a sound cloud that demonstrated what audience perceptions were of First Nations work and the words that were the biggest were the ones that had the most people attributing that perception and it was words like ochre and red and sacred and lizard and dots, dust. And so while they're all really important elements of some of our expression what was noticed was that there was also an absence of words that reflected, you know, the joy and the laughter and the humour and the contemporary expression of our identity. And so I think that this idea that First Nations performing arts is really serious and sombre also needed to be mitigated by a dialogue that was like, yes, that is what it is, but there's also incredible humour and joy and 
delight in audiences and the way that they engage with First Nations performing arts and particularly in the way that if you look at our artists and the way that they make work, if they've been in control of the narrative, there's always humour. There have also been revelations that Indigenous artists are having to self-fund their own projects and how prevalent is this and what support is available? I think that if I could talk from a black dance perspective, the First Nations independent dance sector is severely under-resourced. It's a really large-scale sector that's extremely diverse from, you know, an estimated 100,000 cultural dance practitioners all the way through to an estimated over 150 independent contemporary professional choreographers. We've got 40 years of graduates of NASDA and 25 or 30 years of graduates from the Aboriginal Centre of Performing Arts with degrees and certificates in dance. And that's not even including when we look at at least 500 community dance groups. There's a number of Indigenous youth dance companies that are emerging. There's a whole cohort of senior Indigenous dance practitioners who have had company structures for years. We look at someone like Gary Lang, who's been up in the NT for 10 years with Gary Lang NT Dance. So the breadth and the diversity within the sector is largely invisible and it's severely, severely under-resourced. Also what's missing in the sector is the administrative and producing support, which would in the non-Indigenous sector is the way that independents secure enough funding to create a work of scale and to embed into it the production values that presenters are looking for in performing arts centres. And so when we think about the breadth of the First Nations dance sector, the under-resourcing and the combination of not having enough administrative or producing support, I think that's why we end up in a situation where artists are self-funding to make work. They're making work on really, really small amounts of funding and they're seeing their peers all around them um, making works of scale and accessing you know, commissioning and co-investment models that mean that the independents are not able to create work that is competitive with their peers in the non-Indigenous sector. How has the formation of Black Dance assisted in strengthening an Indigenous voice within that sector, given all those challenges? That's a really good question, Larissa. Marilyn Miller founded our organisation in 2005 through the Creating Pathways conference, which included around 40 independent First Nations dance makers And in 2010, the organisation became incorporated. And actually, we're turning 10 and celebrating our 10th birthday next week with the premiere of a work that we've produced by Carl Projects, and it's premiering in the Brisbane Festival. So, you know, what we actually do at Black Dance is we look at the consultation and the aspirations from the gatherings that we do and the key priorities that come out of the sector. And in many ways, we're still dealing with one of those key priorities back in 2005, which was how do independent First Nations dance makers get their work to be seen and premiere and tour. And 15 years later, I think that 
we're achieving that, but it's taken a lot of work and we've had to build a lot of capacity internally at Black Dance to get to the point where we're supporting one company to premiere. And of course, supporting one company to premiere is not enough. It's never enough. When we think about the breadth and the scale of the sector that we have got in First Nations dance, we need to be supporting 20 companies to be premiering and presenting work and touring. So Carl Projects in many ways has become the pilot for the groundwork that we hope to do in a larger way with more companies over the next four years. There's long been a need for greater self-determination within the arts sector. From your perspective, why is this so important and what impact would it have? We need to have Aboriginal control and autonomy over our affairs because otherwise we're always limited to what the white man thinks that we should have. So I think that if we look back at the original sin of the removal of ancestral remains and cultural property and the way that that's continuing to manifest in the current 21st century through the removal and the appropriation of our intellectual property, that would be one of the areas that would be important to have Aboriginal control and autonomy over. Also, if we look at the way that the performing arts sector works, recently the government announced a $250 million stimulus package for performing arts, which I guess the feasibility of that actually reaching artists and independent First Nations dance artists was explained through the notion of the trickle-down effect where the $250 million stimulus package is supposed to stimulate industry, which is then supposed to reach independent artists. Unfortunately, that feasibility relies largely upon white decision makers, particularly at a time when our country is taken to the streets, as we always have done, but with uh, renewed visibility during COVID, and chanting and shouting that Black Lives Matters, I don't think that it's good enough that the majority of the arts and cultural sector in Australia is led by white decision makers, which impacts whether First Nations independent artists will or will not be programmed. Just finally this evening, there was a recent announcement about your involvement with Brisbane Festival, and I was wondering if you could share that great news with us. Yeah, I'm really excited to be one of the members of the Black Curatorium that the Brisbane Festival has established. It's a journey that's been a long time in the making. I remember having a conversation when I first moved to Brisbane with Nadine McDonald-Dowd, who gave me the lowdown essentially on the way that some of the institutions and festivals in Brisbane have operated and some of the history and she talked to me and some others about the way that Brisbane Festival had been operating over a decade ago when she was there as a producer and since then Brisbane Festival has gone through you know you could use the word journey uh, with a number of local traditional owners and historical elders who make up the Indigenous Advisory Group And just recently, with the announcement of Louise Bazina as the new festival director under her leadership and, you know, with the new CEO, Charlie Cush, 
they have been able to create I guess a model for self-determination that is an aspiration for First Nations leadership to be decision makers within the festival and the elders advisory group have worked with them over a number of years to set up this structure and you know it's a real privilege to be joining my peers Alethea Beetson and Troy Casey and Amanda Heyman as part of the Black Curatorium and, you know, work alongside Jermaine Beasley, who's the First Nations producer, and essentially report back to that elders group in our own autonomous decision-making processes. You know, it's a really exciting model, I think, for a major festival, and I'm really excited about what the future holds with that kind of aspiration at this stage of the festival. Well, Marinda, thanks so much for joining me on Speaking Out this evening and for sharing all your experiences and insights with us. Thanks, Larissa. Marinda Donnelly is the Executive Director of Black Dance, the peak body for Indigenous dance in Australia.